Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet stories and meditations to help you find a little peace at bedtime or anytime. I got out to the coast for a couple days this week. Bandit, Bodie, and I all piled into the station wagon and enjoyed the beautiful drive through the redwoods and along Route 1, which runs all the way up and down the California coast. We spent a night with Joe and saw another friend who lives out there. Now we're back up on the mountain. Being in the mountains but having the ocean so close by is one of my favorite things about living in California. In the summer especially, the ocean is the thing that keeps our weather mild by cooling the air overnight. Unfortunately, the ocean currents are also a big part of what determines whether or not we get the rain that we could desperately use right now, and those currents seem to be sending all the rain north of us to the Pacific Northwest. I know I've asked before, and last winter it really seemed to help, so please send some rain vibes our way. I want to let you know that I have some changes in store for the podcast coming in January. I'm going to be adding more original stories, and I'm going to do something with the meditations as well, probably move them to a new place. I'm just not exactly sure what makes the most sense, and I could use your help. Here's the situation. I've been guiding meditations for you for almost a year now on Wednesday nights, and I know a lot of you love them. When I started doing it last year, it just felt like a natural fit, since I was also getting my certification as a mindfulness and meditation teacher. Ultimately, Meditation can definitely support better sleep, but it's really best as a tool to use while you're awake and aware, not when you're just trying to nod off to sleep. What most podcasts call sleep meditations are really just visualizations to help you sleep, and there are plenty of places to get those. What I'd like to do is create a resource and maybe even a small community for folks who'd like the support of meditation to help them move through some of the fear barriers life holds for all of us at different times. Getting through these fears and connecting more deeply to who we really are can be so beneficial for sleep and many other areas of our lives, like work and relationships. I actually hated meditation for many years. I felt like I was doing it wrong because I wasn't feeling a deep sense of calm or bliss. It just seemed to make my thoughts and my busy mind even louder and more annoying. Well, just like there are many ways to get physically fit, there are many ways to meditate. And like exercise, they tend to be the most difficult in the beginning. I've learned a lot through both my training and personal experience, and the benefits that have come from having a meditation practice have been huge for me. 
I want to support those of you who'd like to move through some of these fear barriers in your own life with a meditation practice. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. If you enjoy the meditations, please let me know what you'd like more of. If you don't, please let me know what might help them to better support your well-being. You can do that by emailing me at eric, E-R-I-K, at listentosleep.com. Thank you in advance for your help. I also want to thank Carrie and Dorothy for supporting the podcast this week by subscribing to the ad-free version. If you'd like to get the podcast without any ads a day earlier each week, along with some perks to help you sleep, you can get more information on the website at listentosleep.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. This week's story is a sleepy but witty Irish tale from 1916, written by Irish writer and sculptor Seamus O'Brien. Let's take a deep breath in and out. Feeling the weight of gravity pulling you deep down into the mattress. Another deep breath in and out. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to be. This is your time, quiet time. One more deep breath in and out. If you get tired while I'm telling you a story, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. The Whale and the Grasshopper When Standish McNeil started talking to his friend, Felix O'Dowd, as they walked at a leisurely pace towards the town of Castle Gregory, on a June morning, what he said was, The world is a wonderful place when you come to think about it. And Ireland is a wonderful place, and so is America. And although there are lots of places like each other, there's no place like Bali Santa Malo. When there's not sunshine there, there's moonshine. And the handsomest women in the world live there. And nowhere else except in Ireland or the churchyards could you find such decent people. Decency, said Felix, when you're poor is extravagance, and bad example when you're rich. And why, said Standish. Well, 
said Felix, because the poor imitate the rich, and the rich give to the poor, and when the poor give to each other, they have nothing of their own. That's communism you're talking, said Standish, and that always comes from education and enlightenment. Sure, if the poor weren't decent, they'd be rich, and if the rich were decent, they'd be poor, and if everyone had a conscience, there'd be less millionaires. Tis a poor bird that can't pick for himself. But suppose a bird had a broken wing and couldn't fly to where the pickings were, said Felix. Well, then bring the pickings to him. That would be charity. But charity is decency, and wisdom is holding your tongue when you don't know what you're talking about. If the people of Bali Santa Malo are so decent, how is it that there are so many bachelors there? Do you think it right to have all the young women working their heads off, reading trashy novels, and doing all sorts of silly things, like fixing their hair in a way that was never intended by nature, and doing so for years and years, and having nothing in the end but the trouble of it all. Well, Tis hard blaming the young men because every young lady you meet looks better to you than the last until you meet the next, and so you go on to another until you're so old that no one would marry you at all unless you had lots of money, a bad liver, and a shaky heart. An old man without any sense, lots of money, a bad liver, and a shaky heart can always get a young lady to marry him, said Felix. Though rheumatics, gout, and a wooden leg are just as good in such a case. Every bit, said Standish. But there's nothing like a weak constitution a cold climate, and a tendency to pneumonia. Old men are queer, said Felix. They are, said Standish. And if they were all only half as wise as they think they are, then they'd be only young fools in the world. I don't wonder a bit at the suffragettes and a time will come when we won't know men from women unless someone tells us so. Wisha, tis my belief that there will be a great reaction some day, because women will never be able to stand the strain of doing what they please without encountering opposition. When a man falls in love, he falls into trouble likewise, and when a woman isn't in trouble, 
you may be sure that there's something wrong with her. Well, said Standish, I think we will leave the women where the devil left St. Peter. Where was that? asked Felix. Alone, answered Standish. That would be all very fine if they stayed there, said Felix. Now, said Standish, as I was talking of me travels in foreign parts, I want to tell you about the morning I walked along the beach at Bali Santa Malo, and a warm morning it was, too. So I says to meself, Standish McNeil, says I, what kind of a fool of a man are you? Why don't you take a swim for yourself? So I did take a swim, and I swam to the rocks where the seals goes to get their photographs taken. And while I was having a rest for myself, I noticed a grasshopper sitting a short distance away and upon me word, but he was the most sorrowful-looking grasshopper I ever saw before or since. Then, all of a sudden, a monster whale comes up from the sea and lies down beside him and says, Well, says he, is that you? Who'd ever think of finding you here? Why, there's nothing strange under the sun but the ways of woman. Tis me that's here then, said the grasshopper. Me grandmother died last night, and she wasn't insured either. The practice of negligence is the curse of mankind and the root of sorrow says the whale. I suppose the poor old soul had her fill of days, and sure we must all die, and tis cheaper to be dead than alive at any time. A man never knows that he's dead when he's dead, and he never knows he's alive until he's married. You're a great one to expatiate on things you know nothing about, like the barbers and the cobblers, said the grasshopper. I only want to know if you're coming to the funeral tomorrow. I'm sorry I can't, says the whale. Me grandfather is getting married for the tenth time. And as I was in China on the last few occasions, I must pay me respects by being present at tomorrow's festivities, says he. I'm sorry you can't come, says the grasshopper, because you are heartily welcome, and you'd add prestige to the ceremony besides. I know that says the whale. But America doesn't care much about ceremony. Who told you that? says the grasshopper. Haven't I me eyesight? 
and don't I read the newspapers, says the whale. You mustn't read the society columns then, says the grasshopper. Wisha, for the love of St. Crispin, says the whale, have they society columns in the American newspapers? Indeed they have, says the grasshopper, and they oftentimes devote a few columns to other matters when the dressmakers don't be busy. America is a strange country, surely, a wonderful country, not to say a word about the length and breadth of it. I swam around it twice last week without stopping to try and reduce me weight, and would you believe me that I was tired after the journey, but the change of air only added to me proportions. That's too bad, said the grasshopper. Are you an American? said the whale. Of course I am, says the grasshopper. You don't think tis the way I'd be born at sea and no nationality at all, like yourself. I'm proud of me country. Why, might I ask? Well, don't we produce distinguished Irishmen? Don't we make Americans of the Europeans and Europeans of the Americans? Think of all the connoisseurs who wouldn't buy a work of art in their own country when they could go to Europe and pay ten times its value for the pot boilers that does be turned out in the studios of Paris and London. There's nothing like home industry, says the whale, in a foreign country, I mean. After all, who knows anything about a work of art but the artist, and very little he knows about it either. A work of art is like a flower. It grows. It happens. That's all. And unless you charge the devil's own price for it, people will think you are cheating them. Wisha, I suppose the best anyone can do is to take all you can get. And if you want to be a philanthropist, give away what you don't want, says the grasshopper. All worth missing, I catches, says the whale and all worth catching, I misses, like the fisherwoman who missed the fish and caught the crab. How's things in Europe? I didn't see the papers this morning. Europe is in a bad way, says the grasshopper. She was preaching civilization for centuries, so that she might be prepared when war came to annihilate herself. It looks that way to me, says the whale. Is there anything else worthwhile going on in the world? There's the Irish question, says the grasshopper. What's that Ireland is, says the whale. Isn't that an island to the west of England? 
No, says the grasshopper. But England is an island to the east of Ireland. Wisha, says the whale. It gives me indigestion to hear people talking about Ireland. Sure, I nearly swallowed it up be mistake while I was on a holiday in the Atlantic last year, and I'm sorry now that I didn't. And I'm sorry that you didn't try, says the grasshopper. Then you'd know something about indigestion. The less you have to say about Ireland, the less you'll be sorry for. Remember that me father came from Cork. Can't I say what I like, says the whale. You can think what you like, says the grasshopper. But say what other people like, if you want to be a good politician. There's nothing so much abused as politics, says the whale. Except politicians, says the grasshopper. Only for the Irish they'd be no one bothering about poetry and the drama today. Only for fools they'd be no wise people, and only for sprats, hake, and mackerel there'd be no whales, and a good job that would be, too. What's that you're saying? says the whale, very sharply. Don't have me to lose me temper with you says the grasshopper. Wisha, bad luck to your impudence and bad manners, you insignificant little spalpeen. How dare you insult your superiors, says the whale. Who's me superior, says the grasshopper. You, is it? Yes, me then, says the whale. Another word from you, says the whale, and I'll put you where Napoleon put the oysters. Well, says the grasshopper, there's no doubt but vanity, ignorance, and ambition are three wonderful things, and you have them all. Neither you, nor Napoleon, nor the Kaiser himself and his hundred million men could do hurt or harm to me. You could have every soldier in the German army, the French army, and the Salvation army looking for me, and I'd put the commither on them all. I can't stand this any longer says the whale. And then, there he hits the rock, a whack of his tail. And when I went to look for the grasshopper, there he was, sitting on the whale's nose, as happy and contented as if nothing happened. And when he jumped back to the rock again, he says, a little exercise when tis tempered with discretion, never does any harm. But violent exertion is a very foolish thing if you value your health. But it is only people who have no sense but think have it all who make such errors. 
If I could get a hold of you, says the whale, I'd knock some of the pride out of you. That would be an ungentlemanly way of displaying your displeasure, says the grasshopper. I'd scorn, says he, to use violent means with you, or do you physical injury of any kind. All you want is self-control and a little education. You should know that quantity without quality isn't as good as quality without quantity. Sure tis I'm the fool to be wasting me time listening to the likes of you, says the whale. If any of me family saw me now, I'd never hear the end of it. Indeed, says the grasshopper, no one belonging to me would ever recognize me ever again if they thought I was trying to make a whale behave himself. There would be some excuse for one of my attainments feeling proud, but as for you, and what in the name of nonsense can you do except give old guff out of you? I haven't time to tell you all, says the grasshopper. But to commence with, I can travel all over the world and have the use of trains, steamers, sailing ships, and automobiles, and will never be asked to pay a cent. And I can live on dry land all me life if I choose, while you can't live underwater or over water, on land or on sea. And while all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't catch me if they were trying till the crack of doom, you could be caught by a few poor harmless sailors who wouldn't know a crow from a cormorant and who'd sell your carcass to make oil for foolish wives to burn and write letters to other people's husbands and fill the world with trouble. And what about all the whalebone we supplies for ladies' corsets and paper knives? What about all the stories we make for the novelists and moving pictures and we're at the sprig of holly now, said Felix. Is it a pint of porter or a bottle you'll have? I'll have a pint, I think, said Standish. Good night.